with me tonight, we have some usual faces and another guest. Uh, first up, we have Mark Canty. Evening. Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. And our special guest tonight, Austin Chambers. Good evening. Looking very suave in your in your um, in your little promo thing behind you there, with your sunglasses and your trilby. What that doesn't show is I've got more hair on there. That's always a bonus. Uh, It it comes to all of us, man, apart from Pete. I I steal all your hair when you're not looking. Uh, I remember having long hair many moons ago. Yeah, I stole that too. (laughs) Okay, so so Austin, who are you? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. Okay, so um, oh, let's begin. Oh, God. Uh, hang on. I need coffee. Not good. You know, this, this is normally past my bedtime. <laughs> I'm one of these insane people. I, I rise earlier than go to bed, sort of like. But no, um, you've seen me online, sort of like as AS Chambers. And um, I am an author of Urban Fantasy and Quirky Horror. Uh, I've known Pete for some years now. We've, we've seen each other sort of like around on the concert. He's. One of the first people to interview me back at Sci-Fi Weekend many, many years ago, wasn't it? Yep. Um, and I have sort of this whole universe evolving and growing around this fictional, I have to say fictional because people always seem to think he's real, investigation of paranormal called Sam Spellucci, who's based here in my, sort of like, nat- well, almost native Lancaster. So I grew up down south and then sort of emigrated here for university and never left. Fell under the curse of the Pendle Witches, as I say, around here. Uh, <laughs> Whereabouts down south? I'm in Hampshire. Um, Northamptonshire, so a little, little bit further north. The, fl- the flat, <laughs> East Midlands. Uh, so, yeah, no, that's that's basically me. And um, I'll probably be sort of waving this around a few times uh, uh, tonight. As my Kickstarter launches tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's what you're here for, eh? There we go. Links are on the website, aschambers.co.uk. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> So well, so tell us. We might as well kick into it now. Tell us about the Kickstarter. What is it? What's 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 going on? Okay, so I think this is my fourth one. It must be my fourth one. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, like I say, my, my normal books, as it were, the, the, the main sort of like universe. Uh, this chap. This was the first one in the series. Casebook of Sam Spellucci. Um, Sam is my fiction investigator, paranormal. They're very much like quirky urban fantasy. You've got horror elements in there, um, but they're not all like wet the bed, the more hide under the bed. Um, and they are leading towards this event in the future called the Divergence, uh, which is going to be sort of like a sort of apocalyptic event with this sort of like big bad rising called Canal. And while I've been writing this, I've known that this event's going to happen. So I thought, well, you know, we, we're talking about this event. So why don't we have a little peek into what's going to happen after the event? Um, so I've set a new series of books. There's going to be five novellas uh, sent around this little, this lad called Bobby Normal, who's a teenager and he goes perky, you know, kid sister Katie with him. And we see this sort of like this dystopian future where basically the world has gone back to almost like the Middle Ages, um, basically through the eyes of the children. And those five novellas are there to like fill in some gaps or sort of like um, filling where the little Easter eggs are being teased through Sam's world, through the novels there. And the Kickstarter, say, launches for the first one, which is this fella, Bobby Normal and the Eternal Talisman. Um, and that's nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, 
and it's basically to cover the artwork, ISBN number, all that sort of business. Um, there's offers on there for the book itself. Um, there's some of sort of like Sam's books. I think I've got case book tied in with one. I've got one of his short stories tied in with one. You can do it in paperback, you can do it with e-readers. It's one of the more simple Kickstarters I've done. Um, the last one I did was for the last Sam novel. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That was last year. The last one was for a short story anthology I did. And I actually offered up um, sort of like... Um, some of the, the the rewards were tours of Lancaster to come come and see you know the world of Sam Spolucci and then of course lockdown happened um, so they're still valid <laughs> um, but no I've done ones before I've had people being killed off and all sorts of great fun um, but I, I find the Kickstarter is really really useful I mean not just sort of like you know obviously raising the funds but it's a good platform to making sure that people know that the books are out there and um, they're the good advertising um you know it sticks a nice big flashy screen up and people suddenly notice the books there you get more sales you get more people reading the books um yeah I mean, which is always good it's nice to chat about it you know all that stuff. yeah i mean do you think having like you know, an established presence helps with your kickstarter rather than kind of just launching your first book on kickstarter and seeing what happens definitely you it, it's rule 101 isn't it You've got you've got to have that established presence. You know you need to have uh, effective social media. You need to have um, some sort of blog, some sort of website. You need to have YouTube presence. You most importantly though, you need to have a newsletter going out um, because if you just stick something up on Kickstarter, it's like if you stick something up on Amazon for the first time, no one's going to see it. You know they're not going to push it for. You know, even if you throw lots of money at them for advertising, doesn't mean anybody's going to see the damn thing. Um, so, I mean, I've been doing this, well, I've been doing the whole writing gig now since 2011. Um, Bobby Normal, I think, is my 14th or 15th book. I've, I've sort of lost track when I went into double figures. 14th, 14th book since 2011? Uh, yeah, that's right. So you're, you're writing more than one a, one a year then? That's that's yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> then how, how big are the books, though? That's the question. I normally have about four projects on the go. Yeah. Uh, the Sam ones, like Casebook, there's... Uh, Casebook goes... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> four of those at the moment. And that's like, yeah, your 300 page jobs. They come out every like, 18 months to two years. Um, next one of those is due out. Um, should have been this summer, but it's probably going to be towards Christmas, um, which is actually quite quick for me. That will have been just over a year. But while I'm doing that, because it's part of an extended universe, I'm also writing sort of like short stories to go with it, in the, which I've published in an anthology every year to go with those. And then say like the Bobby Normal one, um, you know, again, you think, well, I've got ideas going out there, so you can write those down. And they all feed together, hmm. um, which means that you, they're, they're constantly boiling away. They're constantly um, bouncing off each other. I just love doing that. You know, I love the whole yeah. world. I mean, you've got like 14 books now in this, in this one ongoing setting. How would you keep it all consistent? We're saying we've got the Bobby Normal, the Sam Spellucci. How do you kind of ensure that it all kind of makes sense and doesn't conflict? Um, <laughs> write lots of stuff down and take lots of paracetamol. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> well, I have to be quite, quite rigid with myself. 
Um, I, I'm a filing nut. Anybody who knows me in real life knows I, I have to be organized. I tend to overthink and overfile everything. Um, I, I blame it on my work experience when I was 13. It was at a local tax office. Uh, <laughs> wow. File. And once I've done that, that's it. I just went with that. And then that was compounded even more when I went to India in sort of like my second year at university and I had to buy a train ticket. Dear God, the bureaucracy and buying a train ticket. It, it, it's just like take, take everything up to another level. It took four days. <laughs> I had to go to the train station to make an appointment to go back to the train station to book your ticket. You went and got the wait your ticket. Right, can I have my ticket? No, you must come back tomorrow to verify the ticket has been booked. By this point, you're thinking, oh, okay, fine, fine. I could have just flown there from somewhere else. So you go back the next day. Has my ticket? Can I have it? No, 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 you must come back tomorrow. Tomorrow you must have it. Okay, have you taken money? Yes, you take, we're taking your money. Okay, that's fine. But you might get a refund. Why might I get a refund? Because the booking might not have worked. But I want to go. When do you want <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, this sort of thing sticks with you. You know, you, know, you talk about childhood trauma, you know. <laughs> and since that, I mean, I'm looking at my workstation here. I have files everywhere which are linked through to different things. And to come back to the actual point originally, <laughs> you, you read my books, I do, I on a tangent like that. It's, the filing is really, really important. Because then if you have a good filing system, you can find stuff. You're not just going, ah, and wasting an hour trying to remember what color somebody's eyes were. <laughs> so, you know, if I bring a new character in, I write the details down. If they have a dream, I write the details down for that. If I think, oh, that's going to be a good idea. So then I then start linking things through to that. And as a result, you know, you, it works like that. But if I do tend to find, if I'm writing another Sam book, I do tend to go back and I do reread the others as well just before because the best one in the world something's going to slip through do you when you've got lots of filing you say you're you're, you're good at filing and, and organizing yourself uh is it is it um physical like tangible paper when you, you write things down or do you computerize it it used to be all um paper i mean when i started out you know um I, my first writing was on this little Bulgarian typewriter in the 1970s. You know, it was wonderful. I loved it until the spool ran out and <laughs> couldn't buy any more bloody room for it. You know, so it's like, okay, rewind it. My dad said, you know, rewind. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. Dad, it's going great. No, no, just rewind it again. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Can I have some more? No, no, no. We don't talk to that country anymore. We can't have <laughs> typewriter room. So then when the Amstrad came along, the 91512. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like, Wow, I've got these weird little things which aren't great big things like I used to have on my Atari Engine Excel. And so <laughs> that was rudimentary filing, but you're still printing stuff off. And I've got a filing cabinet down here, which is actually full of stuff, which I used to do back then. I mean, look at this. There we go. <laughs> look, there we go. Wow. <laughs> Folders. That brings up memories. Yeah. Which, so which one's this one? Um, I think. This is case book. Oh, no, no, it's got Tigris on it. Yeah, this is Dark Justice. This was my um, fourth book. <laughs> uh, well, I can't start reading that again. You get, get distracted. Especially when you can, like, you can put them in little like, computer things. And, you know, you're, you're not getting distracted by that so much. 
but I, I love my tech. I love having it on my phone. I'm, if I'm walking along, blah, 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 talk, 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 talk. Get home, it's everywhere. You know, I can do a bit of work on my iPad, I can work on my laptop, I can work on my iMac. And when the tech works, it's wonderful. Where it doesn't work, I cry. <laughs> and I hate printers. Printers never work. You try and print. Sorry, I just got to talk. There's a dead one underneath it. Wow, is that this is what happened to the last printer? <laughs> it's like a severed head, but it's the printer. <laughs> Office space time. Uh, so, back, back garden. Uh, it's just so much easier to do it electronically because you end up with so much paper um so much scribbling which i can't read my own handwriting um so yeah stick it on a cloud then whenever i want it is that's great yeah how do you find you mentioned like you're walking around speaking into the phone how do you find like audio transcription because i've had several headaches you're trying to use that stuff um i use it for note taking i wouldn't use it for writing right. uh, yeah um i, I I was just um, reviewing one this morning, actually, where I was, um, I was having a bit of brain fog when I was writing it. And I saw, like, uh, such and such and such and such. Enter. 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 Oh, come up as crop. <laughs> Get with crop. New line. Yeah, it's great. You know, um, word is editing. Details. Oh, well, there you go. <clears throat> but you know it's it's okay to sort of like you, you, you do a little bit of note taking, but I I couldn't use things like Dragon software. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It just especially when you got sort of like um, like I use a, a lot of like proper nouns, especially in the lobby normal Kickstarter tomorrow. Um, there are names in there which are sort of like futuristicy, medievally type names. It's not going to work. Um, plus, I tend to find I type quicker than I talk. Certainly legibly. If legibly, I don't know. Turns how much I waffle. Let me know in an hour. <laughs> um, do you use like any specific type of writing software or do you just use Word? Um, for basic WordPress, I, I tend to use Word. Uh, right. it, I, I grew up on Word and I find it easy. I prefer Pages, I have to say, because um, I'm a Mac user. I do like Pages. Yeah. You have the problem that the things I want to, if I want to send it to somebody, I think I'll turn it into a docx document if they're going to edit it or if they're going to do any proofreading. So I might as well just do it in Word anyway. Uh, I've tried Open Office. I've got a text edit one, which is rather nice, but the um, the um, uh, spell checker is very limited on that one. Yeah. Putting new words in. So Word does tend to be the best for typing. Um, but when it comes to the publishing, I'll use um, Affinity Publisher, which is the business. I love it. Yes. Yeah. It's easy to use. It's about 50, 60 quid. You don't have to subscribe. You know, these, these guys should be paying me. to. Every time I talk about it, I'm like, yeah, use that, use that, use that. What is it? What, what is it? Uh, Affinity Publisher. Oh, um, I like Affinity. I've got um, all three of their apps. Yeah. Trying to, trying to figure them out, but that's more yeah. a function of my own time. Uh, but they're yeah. very slick. <clears throat> yeah, and for the price, it's great. Oh, God, yeah. I want to subscribe to other um, platforms. Uh, of course, these guys used to be Serif, and I used to use their web design program and Page Plus back in sort of like the 90s. And I love that because it was very much WYSIWYG. It's what you see, is what you get. But the uh, thing is, it's like 30 quid. 
yeah. most of the time, instead of 30 quid a month. A month. I know. It's no great. Was it like three times last year they ran like two-month freebies mm-hmm. during lockdowns? Just saying, you know, if you want to try it out, you can do. We won't bother you for 60 days. <laughs> yeah. and, and I love the videos they have out because she seems so happy and a job blesser. <laughs> Gee, welcome to Affinity Publisher. Hi, how are you today? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, it's just, no, you, you get a whole vibe with the program and with the company that they actually have value in what they're doing and they do actually feel that their product works, um, which is always a bonus. Um, touch wood or laminate or formic, whatever this is, um, I've, I've not had problems with it. And it normally takes me a while to get used to software. I don't like new software, which one of the reasons word. Whereas publisher, it's like, oh, what do I need to do? Can I try that? Oh, it works. <laughs> okay, well, that's the rest of the day. Um, okay, coffee time, you know. <laughs> oh, Have you ever tried something like Scrivener? No, I've seen people mention it. I haven't actually tried it. Yeah. Now, I've used page four, which is like Scrivener, mostly because it's free. And, and yeah, it's not bad. It's great for when you're initially setting out the novel. And I structure, like, paragraph, like, basically setting out the chapters and working out what goes where and then juggling it around. That yeah. stage is fine. But I think when you want to do, like, the really hard thorough edit, yeah. then, yeah, do that in Word because it doesn't have, it really has enough a spell checker. It really is terrible. But just for basic initial structuring, yeah, it does the job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I think the first time we met was actually at a convention. Uh, and but one thing I noticed, like even yeah, you, know, you, you sell you're there kind of um, plugging your books. Yeah. You weren't in that kind of the writers area. You were in like in like the main traders area. What was the decision behind that? Um, there was no money in books at the time. You know. You rock up to one of these events, you've got one book. You're not going to sell anything. <clears throat> you know, it's nice to be there, but at the end of the day, you, you've got to at least pay your bills. Um, so I've always been sort of like, at least till last year, things are slightly different now. Um, the attitude that, okay, fine, you got to take a leaf out of George Lucas's thing. You know, you write your book or your film, whatever, but there is money in the merchandise. So you know why I'm I'm there. I had sort of hundreds of dragons and figurines, all the good stuff, and um, and they've been great because they they've paid my bills for the last last ten years really. Um, it's only sort of like in the last twelve. Well, it was going to be in the last twelve months. Well, I was going to have considerably less of those now. Um, and my next con is actually York, okay. uh, the York race course, which is the third weekend or second second weekend i think it is in august this year it's gonna be the first medium-sized con of the year well first medium-sized one after lockdown so i'm really really yeah. looking for this yeah I think um, that's going to that's going to be the litmus test isn't it for uh but this time rather yeah. than sort of like having loads of merchandise and a few books it's now 50 50 right because i will have 14 15 titles there as opposed to billy no mates sat there mm-hmm. with a picture of me going buy my book. <laughs> my book there might be a few typos but you won't mind <clears throat> um, whereas now it's all like everything looks slick the, the, the covers all match and you know it's it's, it's we refer to it it's like in my house is leveling up you know it's the next level so the yeah. moving of sort of the merchandise sort of things to me now 
is that next level and concentrate more on the books. Because um, the merchandise is great. I love it. You know, all the dragons, the skulls and everything. But it's a bit of an ache when you're sort of like, you're buying the stuff, you're pricing the stuff. You're going, oh, that one's broken. I've got to get my money back from that, from some guy in Germany or America or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now take it to the car and I've got to be there three hours before, the night before, just so I can stick everything up. I'm going to go back to the room and worry that nobody's going to knock my stall over. You don't have that problems with books. They weigh more, but they're less destructible. <laughs> yeah. Do you sell more physical copies or um, uh, uh, digital e-books. copies? E-books, yeah. I would have said until recently it was more digital. Um, but something has happened in the last 12 months, which I'm not too sure. I can't say it's the pandemic and COVID and people being at home um, because it started just before. I noticed Christmas 2019 that suddenly my book sales went like that and physical books started going out on Amazon and so I and weirdly enough indie booksellers in America okay. um, Americans Canadians out there I know you readers out there um, and yeah so and I have no idea why um, whether I just sort of like talk to the right few people online because I, I do tend to natter to sort of people ask me questions um, and then so I run away if I don't so I get a bit scared. Um, you know, it's, it's, I like to chat to people. You'd notice I do tend to talk quite a bit. And um, so I've noticed these rising sales sort of like across the Atlantic. And there were paper book, paperback books. But there'd be one book one month, then the next one the next month, and then the rest the month after that. Um, so I'm thinking, hmm, I've, I've got tapped into the Canadian book club market or something. <laughs> I'm a nice such because all very friendly. <laughs> I have to say, I prefer physical copies. Like I, I generally, when I buy books, I'll buy a physical copy um, for it sort of to be on my bookshelf, and then I might buy the audio book or the 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 um the digital e the EPUB basically to sort of kind of read. Um, because I'm I'm a collector and I sort of like having nice nice books on my shelf, basically. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I tend to find this follows me around everywhere. And it means I don't get nagged by the other half for dusting shelves and things or taking up too much room. Yeah, well, it's like my, my dad was a massive... Like, he would always have, like, a, um, like, a Kindle or something like that, and he'd have hundreds of books, and he, he'd read them all off that. Whereas... Like there's just something about having the book. Now I I am bad. Like I've I've gotten into sort of audiobooks now because I can sort of like do other things and sort of like paint miniatures and stuff and then just listen to them or when I'm driving and stuff like that. So I quite like that. But I still like to have a physical copy of the book um on my shelf. And if there's a limited edition sort of version of it, I'll buy that too. So it's like one for the good version, one for the read, and sort of. <laughs> <laughs> just... you and limited bloody edition oh man that's that's the, if, if anybody wants to sell me anything just oh. say it's a limited run and matt on it like a car bonnet i'm like yep okay <laughs> I, think there's some, I think there's i think there's some limited runs of uh, austin's next books so you never know well there you I go say austin's crafting you your own newsletter in the morning you're gonna get an email <laughs> with all these limited runs of every single one of his books it's like my it's definitely my uh my kryptonite like when it, as soon as it goes limited edition i'm like ooh. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, can I can I just quickly interject? Apparently, Kaylee is um my wife Kaylee is um uh, Auntie Jonna, Father Jonathan. I'm listening into this podcast right now. They heard very good things about Austin Chambers. So, hello, Auntie Jonna, Father Jonathan. <laughs> we got um red hot reactions on on YouTube. Says, "Hey, Geek Pride Gang, nothing like uh, the feel of a book. E-readers are so uncivilized in an Obi Wan Kenobi sort of voice, but uh, I have tons of DVDs yet. Watch the digital versions online." I love the I love the feel of a book, but the, the sheer amount of room that all my wargaming crap takes up. And, <laughs> well, I know that I so to, well. <laughs> we we just hit the fifth anniversary of moving into our house, like Friday. I still have eight boxes of books in the garage unopened. Well, um, <laughs> that kills me, man. Like, well, sorry, Pete, you far away. I've got a library upstairs. Well, it's sort of library. It's also since Rick has now left his um, uh, cot, it's also Rick's bedroom. And I'm thinking, oh, where are we going to put all these books now? Because obviously he's going to want his own space and his own toys and his own books. And I've got literally got shelves and shelves of books. Like, where do I put them? On top of that, in the in the garage, I've got a coffin. <laughs> what? A, a theatrical coffin. Oh, okay. Which I was going to convert into a horror book, like a bookshelf from all my horror books. I thought, great. It made it close as well, so I could hide all like the scary titles. <laughs> I now don't have anywhere to put it. <laughs> well, I, I so we're we're moving into a new place. Hopefully, this month we'll have our, our new house sorted. This month, you don't get my coffin. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like I basically said to my girlfriend. I said, "Look, I want one room for my man stuff, and maybe an overflow room for books and stuff." So it's like so basically. <laughs> and the rest of the house is yours. So all I need is a main room for my toys, uh, my war gaming stuff, my board games, my gaming table, and you know stuff I could do geek pride things in. And then maybe somewhere where I can put bookshelves. So you know, uh, there's my my books and stuff like that. So currently, that's been that's been thumbs up. That's been green lighted as a, as a good to go. Um, but we don't have any kids, so it's a three bedroom house with a. Um, a three-bedroom house with a spare dining room, which is going to be my man cave. So I'm, uh, you know, as long as I don't sort of, we don't get suddenly get pregnant with triplets or anything, I think we're good to go for for a bit longer, you know. So I can keep the man cave for a bit and, you know, don't have to worry about giving it up to some child of mine. But oh, I, I, I've, I've told myself this, uh, and it's like my, gra- my, my father used to tell me a story about my great-grandfather, and they had this sort of... Um, he had this room that they said they would go into and it was full of books and it had like a Stetson and it had loads of books like it had a massive library and stuff and it smelled like cigars and stuff and like you weren't allowed in there unless you were you were accompanied by somebody and stuff and that was this sort of kind of thing and I've told myself that's going to be me you know I, even if I have kids I'm going to have a room that's going to be mine and nobody's allowed in that room without my permission and stuff well normally like you know, this room is my room but the kids don't ask permission. They just go in. <laughs> See, this worries me, man. This worries me very much. So it's like, obviously, I have got a lot of collectibles and stuff. And it, what what stresses me out about having kids is that one day I'm going to come home and there's going to be my, my child there with a 
with with Boromir, my, with my, my my limited edition Boromir figure or something, sort of out of its box, sort of sort of ripped open, and he's playing with it with the rest of my you know my my sideshow yeah. collectible stormtrooper or something. I'm like, what are you doing? No. In that case, you master the the voice of. I'm very disappointed in you. Yeah, that's where there's going to be a keypad door on that. On my, I'm literally getting a rock, a rock door. Like I had my old man cave. I had an electric keypad on my door and I had a rock door. It was the most secure room in the house. And I was just like, that's going to happen again. I'm going to have a rock door. Nobody's getting in that room without my permission. It reminds me of, um, there's a picture that used to go around some of the wargaming groups with a kid playing with like a Titan, which is like the biggest miniature you can buy from, from, um, games workshop matt will appreciate these things are like the size of a small child they're about one and a half grand and you have to build it and paint it still and the kid's playing with it and the mum's saying oh don't worry he's just playing with your toys and the other guy's saying you don't understand this is a hostage situation (laughs) (laughs) but i've got a i've got a reaver titan and a very horrible thing happened to it I, i had it on display um it was it was built and resin's an absolute nightmare when you're stuck. You have to pin it, and then you have to sort of kind of do all kinds of things to make sure. It was on top of my like uh, bookcases in um, uh, my old house, and then one day I heard this almighty bang, and because of its he- how heavy it was, because it was pure resin, the the the, 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 the it just collapsed and it fell to the floor and smashed into a million pieces. I've never been so upset in my life. I was like, no, hands down, just sort of, uh, not, yeah, very upset. Oh, got, an- got another message on YouTube. Uh, Samantha Underhill, Austin Chambers is so hot. Hey, all, Geek Fried Gang. Hey, go, yeah, there you go, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back to Austin and Sam Spellucci. One thing I was, uh, want to ask is why Lancaster? Why not? I mean, London is obviously more recognized, people are Manchester, but Lancaster is not as well known in like the international community. Um, I mean, the basic logistics is I live here. Um, so I can immediately walk out and say, right, where are we going to kill somebody with a werewolf today? Oh, that shop will do it. <laughs> uh, and if they pay me I might even give them a better plug in the book mm-hmm. uh, no it's yeah I, I love Lancaster I mean, the books were originally sort of like um, to be where I grew up and because that's I was originally writing them when I was a teenager and uh, as it's turned out where I grew up has evolved into where Sam grew up so I've used my old parish church as his old parish church, and that features quite heavily into like the, the forthcoming parts of the universe. Um, but no, the, the main stories are set in Lancaster, Morecambe area. Um, so primarily because I live here, so it is easier. You know, I, I have points of reference, but also it, it just works as a place. Um, we are one of the smallest cities in the UK. You know from the city centre to the other literally in five minutes and when you have that walk you've got lots of little ginnels and alleys you can believe that there's something lurking in there which isn't a crackhead and uh, but might actually be a werewolf or something's going to rip the head off <laughs> and um, we have this amazing castle it is one of the best castles in the UK if you mm. 
Norfolk, you've got to come here because it is a proper castle. It is not a ruin. It is not a relic. It used to be a prison until some years ago, so it is still properly maintained. We have, uh, we have a priory. We have a cathedral. We have a huge park, which has one of the best follies in the world. The memorial. You know, Google it. Look it up and just go, wow. I've had a werewolf jump off that. You know, nobody else can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Lancaster Tourist Board right here. <laughs> I, I walk into Williamson Park Petting Zoo and go, oh, hello, you're, you're Austin Chambers. Can I have your photograph taken with you? Uh, are you going to kill me in your next book? No, no, unfortunately, I'm not killing you in your next book. <laughs> it just, just comes up to us. Yeah, it comes up to you. you know, and uh, It's great. It's, Lancaster is not too big. Um, so you get sort of like people know people who know people yeah you have the whole six or seven degrees of separation in lancaster it's one <laughs> so it's like midsummer but not in a village it, <laughs> um yeah it, it just works it's it's morse with werewolves you know why just use oxford you know with dons who nobody likes let's use proper people people who cared about by other people because people can relate to them you know if you eviscerate some annoying don in oxford you're like yeah had it coming don't care um whereas you eviscerate somebody who lives in a council house just on the outskirts of lancaster who's struggling to make ends meet people go oh no that's really sad oh dear i hope they get the werewolf rather than cheering for the werewolf if they'd eviscerated your Oxford Don. So where did the so you said you started in two thousand eleven. So what was the tipping point? What was the sort of epiphany moment that made you kinda of go, you know what? This, this fuck this sort of uh humdrum real world shit. I'm I'm going into writing. Um, I mean I've been writing since I was a kid. Um but it was only sort of like 2011 where it just like, yeah, I, I need to do something with this now. Um, let's see, 2000, yeah, I, I think it's because I, I worked in the real world until I was 30 and sort of retired at 30 um, because other things. I mean, I, I struggled with sort of like many years disease and it was very, very bad back then. Uh, so it's like, okay, this, this working life is not good for my health. I need to stop. Um, then 10 years later, and the health getting better, so I technically in remission, as it were. I'm thinking, okay, I'm bored now, what can I do? Um, oh, I do a bit of genealogy, that's cool, I like genealogy. Okay, that, that that's fun, I've done that. Um, is this for your family, or? This is professionally, I, I do actually do it professionally as well. Ah, oh, right, okay. That's great. Um, but, you know, that's very sporadic, and so it can only keep me interested for so long. And I thought, well, okay, we've done the writing before. It didn't get very far. You've written a novel, which you've not done anything with, and you need to go back to it at some point. But we had Sam, who was part of that novel, as a side character. Um, yeah, let, let's work on Sam. And it just bang like that. Um, all the stories just started pouring out. I've always been prolific. I've never had a problem with writer's block um, because I've just got too much stuff bouncing around up there. I think it is literally down to the voices in my head from the many as <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, don't try this one. That's probably better. You won't get arrested. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it just 
just happened, really. Um, it, it was the right thing at the right time. I've never looked back. So that first book that Sam was the side character in, was that ever sort of evolved into? Uh, yeah, Fallen Angel. Um, it, it is the, the novel which is whispered of amongst my readers, because I mentioned it from time to time. Um, it is technically written, um, although it will tweaking in various places now. Uh, Sam is on book five. There's probably going to be nine or ten books for Sam um, before like the, the divergence hits. And then we'll effectively have this duology um, of the repercussions for Sam, but also the repercussions for the world at large and universe, which is going to be Fallen Angel. So we're probably looking about six years or so. Wow. That actually came out. It's part of the game plan. Um, but then that's going to lead on to the events post-divergence and take the events of the Bobby Normal books, which I'm writing now. Kickstarter starts tomorrow, 9 o'clock. <laughs> okay, really good book. You want it for you. your grandmother. She'll prefer this to those mint imperials you got her for Christmas last year. <laughs> Um, so I'll read on from those and all the other short stories also available on the website aschambers.co.uk and Amazon even fact and then there's going to be called the Divergent Lands where we deal with basically the end of the universe and I have the very very final story already written I always start at the end with every story I always write the last scene first and I've actually done that with the whole universe I've written the last scene for the universe first I wrote it probably about 10 years ago when I first started because I thought, that's where we're headed. Um, okay, I'll change little bits on it, but that's where I know we're going to go. So, you know, it's called Final Day. So that, that sort of brings me into my next sort of question is that we, we, we've had a fair few writers uh, on the podcast and uh, they all have sort of different answers to this. How do you... You you obviously plan your books then, so there's, there's no um, letting the characters sort of go on their own little journey and see what happens. It's very much a case of you have certain um, milestones for them to hit to the get to a certain point. It's a bit 50-50. I know the general direction where things are going to go. I know there are going to be focal points which have to happen. (coughs) Characters. Um, There are going to be certain deaths. There are going to be certain revelations. There are going to be certain evolutions of characters and certain storylines will have to happen in a certain specific manner. Um, I have timelines written down, which are insane, because you literally, certain characters go around the timeline twice. Uh, um, I mean, Fallen Angel, Lucifer, is sort of like this big, one of the big characters lurking in the background. And it's quite obvious he's been around the clock more than once. You know, he's this sort of like eternal character. And... So there are those, but when it comes to the actual story itself, um, I wind the characters up, sit the blocks out which they're going to bounce off, and off they go. And we see how they reach those blocks, and they'll bounce and see how they interact. Um, Because if you try and make a character do exactly what you want to do, it is not going to work. You know, they they will be rigid, they will be formulaic, Mm. you'll it's your head against a brick wall. Um, Sam is a very big character. Um, he comes across as quite realistic. Um, he has these little inner monologues going on, and he'll come across something, and then suddenly he'll have a rant. 
you know, he'll rant about the state of the economy. He'll rant about lawyers. He'll rant about estate agents. He'll rant about politicians. And then he'll just come back to topic and he'll carry on doing the thing. But you'll start to see his little rants um, affect his personality and they affect that the way that he interacts with people. So the more he'll rant about a certain topic is the more you he would interact with a character differently to how I would have thought he would have done, say, six months ago. Because I, I let his character develop, even though I know ultimately where he will end up, along with the other characters. Would you be open to... But, you know, you've got, obviously, your end point. Would you... if You know... Uh, it, it, would you be open to it changing based on those sort of blocks moving your characters around different ways? Or are you pretty certain that you say this needs to be the way it ends? Um, probably not. Uh, because the way the books work, the ending has already happened. Um, because of the timeline of things, even though it's far in the future for the majority of the characters, it's actually in the past now for certain characters. Right, so right. Already referring to things which have happened to them that are going to happen to other characters. Now, that doesn't mean I can't tweak certain things and keep sort of like grey areas which I could mould and let the characters take slightly differently. I might use a slightly different character for instead of such a... It's like there, there's supposed to be this scene at the end where um, one of the characters was talking to a specific character and sort of like five years into the writing, I was going, that's not going to happen because something's changed, one of the other characters is going to develop more and become a more prominent character, it needs to be him instead. So I need that sort of flexibility there. Um, but the way that the whole universe is going to finish mm. is definitely one of those moments which is set in stone. Um, it's, it has been referred to a few times. In fact, there was a short story, well, not even a short story, there was a scene which I put in my last um, anthology of this character holding um, this sword and this cup and the whole universe being split apart and sinking down into this cup before it's being reformed. And that is how the universe is going to end. That is that that will happen. And I know who that character is going to be. If my readers, you know, look at it, they might be able to work it out, but that's part of the fun for the reader. You know, because I know how things are going to happen, I can leave those little Easter eggs mm-hmm. and the reader can start to see, well, who's Kanor? What's Lucifer's role? Who are the twins? Oh, are the children of Cain going to be successful? What's going to happen to Sam? Who am I kidding off in the next novel? Who's the main character? Oh, so are you not, you're not too precious about killing off main characters and stuff like that then? <laughs> <laughs> it's real life. People die. Um, <clears throat> death and grief is one of the main things which influences us as sort of like a species. We are aware of death. We are aware that people we love will be taken away from us at some point. Um, how we deal with that really does define us. You know, do we formulate a religion around it? Do we get angry about it? Do we just accept it? Do we ignore it? And one of those incidents is actually going to happen to Sam in the next book, which is halfway through his journey. So you will see sort of like a tipping point, as it were, for Sam in um, Bloodline, which I say hopefully is going to be out later on this year, um, where a major character is going to die. And... um, if readers have been sharp, 
in the previous books, they could see the last four books have been building up to them. So I knew this character was going to go. I knew when they were going to go. I sort of knew how they were going to go. I had to change certain things in advances in um, sort of like uh, medicine. So sort of like, oh, curse you advances in medicine. I can't kill them the way I wanted to 10 years ago. I'll think of something else. Um, but, you know, yeah. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> no, that's good. Like, uh, the thing is, I... What was I... Um, when I was younger, when I was growing up in books, you, obviously you had your heroes and stuff, and they were, like, set... They were set in stone. You know, nothing happened to them. They had, like... They had plot armor. They were literally indestructible. <laughs> Didn't matter. You know, I, I grew up in the Sharp books and stuff, and so, like, you know, Sharp just... You know, he just parred through and stuff, and uh, it didn't matter what, what, what happened. You know, he, he survived. And then... It, it was like my first experience of a main character dying was, I think, in Sharp's Waterloo, uh, Hagman Hagman gets killed, and um, devastating. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, what have they done? They just the killed thing, Hagman. That is, that's that's kind of like, that's the author retaining the ability of knowing at some point when he's really in that kind of a mood. He can just absolutely lay you out on your ass. Yeah, just and like that's a powerful it. weapon all its own, really. And it's a good death as well because he dies. He's sort you of know, for those who like their sort of Napoleonic sort of history and stuff. But he dies in Square at the Battle of Waterloo and stuff. So he goes back actually to fight. He goes back, mm. you know, to go and f- uh, to stay with his regiment and stuff. And and he dies in Square basically. And then it's you know it was really it was really good. Um, but then it was like I started reading obviously the Game of Thrones books and it's like <laughs> and it was just like see I went through the stage of like you know I know in like Lord of the Rings and thing again I was massive Lord of the Rings fan of stuff so you know you had Bar the Cimmerillion where they just kill people off but you don't get because it's so complicated you don't get sort of you're not really um what's the word invested, invested. you're not invested in them because you know it, it there's so much going on you're just like yeah I'm, uh i'm not in that but i i started reading game of thrones simply because um they were filming it in northern ireland where my parents lived the best of it was just like all right i'll read this and i was like oh this is awesome i love i love this i love this ned stark guy well apparently he's gonna be played by sean bean oh my god he's fucking killed the fact he was being played by sean bean i know but it's just like you know i was just like he's not gonna die in this one and then it's just like oh yeah i like i like this rob stark oh they fucking killed him as well all right and it was just like i remember like this the the worst like moment I, i i went through five books game of Thrones books in two weeks and I, I was so invested in it like i literally hammered them i was on holiday in egypt at the time and i just remember my my sister and my dad had been watching and i've been reading it before me and i just i was lying on a, a sun lounger underneath a, a parasol because i'm i'm a pasty irishman and i burn so i was just sitting there reading this book and you just see my sister my dad looking at me and i'm just going oh shit and i'm like reading and i'm sort of looking up at them and they're sitting there smiling at me and i'm just like no they're not gonna do this they're not gonna do this and then they fucking killed him and then they killed his mother and then it's like I, it's all the shit that happens i was just like i am i i give up i i'm just and my last straw would give well not my last straw but the bit where i, I stopped reading in those two weeks was on uh dance for dragons 
when Jon Snow gets his, his throat cut, I was like, fuck this book, fuck this. And I literally <laughs> threw it over my shoulder and went, I am not reading any more of this shit. And it took me it took me three months to go back to read the last chapter of that book because I was like, I'm not, I, I am done. I can't deal with this anymore. Is that after your counselling? Yeah, I can't <laughs> deal with it. But since then, since that characters. point, if there's no sort of, if there's no sort of kind of like unexpected tragedies in my books, I kind of feel a bit let down now. So I feel like, you know, that has to be. It's changed me. For, it's changed me so much. I, I remember that if I ever asked you to be a beta reader. <laughs> at a much younger age. Um, because I grew up on sort of like the Marvel UK series, Captain Britain. Uh, oh, yeah. And I loved it. You know, I was, God, I've yeah. been sort of like, uh, late single figures, possibly about ten. And I was devouring this. I bought it every week. Oh, what's what's Captain Britain going to do this week? Oh, he's on his motorbike. What's Captain Britain going to do this week? Oh, he's chasing after this guy. What's it? He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. And that was it. I was traumatized. Yeah. I put it away, and I spent the next 20 years going, oh, Captain Britain's dead, Captain Britain's dead. And then I realized I actually brought him back the next week. Oh. <laughs> and, and bought the next comic. I just had it in my head that he was, he dead. was dead. And I think that really did sort of like put the seeds in my brain that, you know, heroes can die. And that was, of course, um, sort of like really um, compounded way of strontium dog. Uh, oh yes. Now I was mid-teens when I read that. <laughs> now of course they've since retconned that out. Completely, yeah. Completely. Oh, it's a made-up story. But oh, what a death scene! What a death scene! Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just there I is grew up on Marvel UK Transformers. You see, oh. so I, I was permanently scarred when I went to watch Transformers the movie. Oh yeah, Optimus Prime death. Literally, it's like all it's, of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I remember watching Optimus Prime dying on TV. <laughs> What's going on? I know. What? And the reason they did that was because they wanted new toys, so they just killed yeah. off a bunch of the old they ones. They slaughtered all these characters that you become invested in yeah. and badgered your parents for Christmases before to buy you. And you're like, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, I think He-Man's got a very lucky base <laughs> yeah well it's just like I think we talked about this in one of the old podcasts the other podcasts about um about how traumatic certain things were when you were a kid like Watership Down um, oh, that's like yeah. a, oh, a, a never ending story when uh yeah. when Artax gets you know sucked into the swamp and you're just like what is this what is this I mean I, I'm one of these guys I, I obviously I cry at the end of sort of like you know um uh, jungle book, you know, below, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But no, I embarrass my kids because I cry at the end of T2. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I first watched her uh, and she was that high and she was like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> you're not human yet, you're only a child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a sucker. That being said, my, my girlfriend, she likes super emotional. She gets really invested in TV programs and films and stuff like that. So I can generally tell. I, I, I always have a glance at her first. And if she's starting to cry, then I'm like, oh, I'm good to go then. I'm good to go. If she's not crying, then it's like, oh, it's not sad enough. I can't go. <laughs> she cried at the end of Endgame, though. 
Oh, I mean, I, yeah, she hasn't seen all of them yet because she, I, I, thing is, she, she, because she's Polish, she hasn't seen a lot of stuff. And, yeah. um, I'm literally getting into everything, which is great because she's not seen it all before. So she's like getting super invested in all these sort of TV programs and films and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to go through the Marvel films with her at some point in time yeah. and sort of just, yeah. like, she's seen some of them, but she hasn't seen them in order and yes. sort of, you know. It doesn't really work yeah. the same way, it doesn't yeah. have got all the different bits. I'm yeah. currently watching the entire MCU films in order with my elders, too. <laughs> We've just hit um, Spider-Man Homecoming, and they're loving that one. That is their favourite Marvel film to, so far. But I am just waiting for Endgame, the end of Endgame, and and oh, busy, God. and I'm already booking the counselling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because because my my little boy, he's really into Iron Man. Oh no, that was and sad. And it's man. like, yeah, right. Did you want to prepare them for it by buying them a puppy and shooting it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It might be a bit more gentle that way. <laughs> yeah, I, Build up the calluses. I watched um, the, most of the MCU with sort of like my daughter over lockdown and um we got sort of like infinity or on endgame she says i know your opinions on this i just talked to her she says i know it doesn't have silver surfer and adam warlock but can you just watch the film <laughs> 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 no, the avengers were nothing they were cannon fodder that i've read the comments they're cannon fodder silver surfer no we can't there adam was warlock. reference to adam oh. warlock wasn't it in Ga- guardians of the galaxy yeah, the... Still to come, possibly. oh don't get me started on star lord <laughs> no no, no. I, I, if my daughter's watching this i'm sorry rachel but you know i'm going going to go on about that is not star lord they did not have he was, he was what about ship <laughs> it was this foxy ship which can be a foxy woman you know it's it's what the children what the boys loved back in the 1970s how could they miss out on a ship which can turn into a human why think what they could stole more movies to come yet oh oh no I'm just... well the new guardians of the galaxy when it's gonna have thor in it as well isn't it and i'm not sure if they um for what's the new one with um uh oh god played queen Anna, amidala what's her name portman oh, um, natalie portman's back in love it and thunder love and thunder yeah, I think she. Seen her biceps. Yeah, she's obviously <laughs> playing the uh, the new Thor. I think, or or going to obviously wield Mjolnir. I can't even pronounce it properly. Mjolnir. Yeah. Mjolnir. That's it. Yeah. Um, I got a got a message from Sam Underhill. Says yeah. Says so. I suppose I should comment again. Curiously, uh, curious how uh, Austin reacts to negative comments online and whether his he googles himself uh, now and then. Um, negative comments come, negative comments go. Um, I have the occasional Google, and then I sort of despair at all sorts of sites which are giving your books away for free. Um, but I'm more in it for the writing. You know, I, I enjoy the writing. Um, <laughs> if people buy my books, that's great. If they enjoy my books, that's brilliant. If they don't, eh, it's up to that. I don't mind so much. I've learned to be fairly thick-skinned like that. I have one one-star review, which I'm very, very proud of on Amazon, when they, they were going about, well, I, I bought this thinking it was a historical novel, and it's not historical. <laughs> 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 in it. What part of reality do you not understand? Some See, this... are very loosely attached. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I really... And, and then there's... Um, I think there was somebody who may have been sort of like a right-wing Christian from America who didn't like my books on Goodreads. 
Um, I think I just laughed all week after I read that. Go on. Um, <laughs> they can be good. Let, for let's that, hear it, please. Um, I, I I can't even remember what they said. I just thought like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I have a priest in it who's has lines like mayo mayo where's the bloody mayo and he's using that sex talk so you know yeah i'm, I'm not going to please everybody <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. have you ever you know you were saying that you have little flexes that you've done occasionally have you ever made a flex in sort of something you were thinking about doing based on conversations you've had with fans and how and how they've interpreted the work or talked to you about things like characters they liked flex sorry have you ever flexed or changed something you were planning to do um, based oh, on I, I feedback? Got, I got pulled up by a fan. Um, <laughs> there is uh, Sam's landlord is called Harry Kim. Um, he is the owner of the Paradise Dragon, which is a restaurant underneath. And I went on about how he shares the same name as um, Ensign Harry Kim, Chief of Engineering on the Voyager. Operations. That came, that came back to bite me. So I then had to have Sam pulled up on that by another character three books later saying, no, he isn't. You know, you know, you're sci-fi. Come on, you know, he was, you know, he was, I say, operations. It was, um, but Arna Torres was obviously um, chief engineer. So I sort of like wheedled my way out of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it when fans do that because it means they read the books. You know, if they're going to pull you up, say, on oh, book page, such and such, you said such and such. And the conversation says, oh, great, you know it better than I do. Nice one. Okay, I'll make a note of that, and we'll see if we can work that in. Um, I, I I do get fans asking to be killed off quite a bit. <laughs> really? Uh, so um, I, I tend to find when I do the sand books now, I'll offer so like brutal deaths as rewards in the Kickstarter, and they do <laughs> literally within five minutes. Um, wow. Or troubled souls. I had two. Two, um, two of my readers literally fighting out to get button first and one guy was gutted because he wanted to be the main person to get killed off and and that's a good reward uh, i you know i i have to admit i've uh, I, I bought a um on a kickstarter uh, i backed um uh, battletech um Oh yeah, the new battle, sort of clan wars, I think. And one of the things for that was you could have your own canon character in there. And as soon as I thought, oh, I can write myself into a story, I was just like, I'm in, I'm bought. And I, I got that, so I've got my own, I've got my own sort of guy within the sort of battle tech sort of universe now, which is awesome. <laughs> it's it's a it's it's a small thing. I'll no, nobody will ever sort of read him. I read about him, but I know he's there, and I'm just like, but yeah, let's get. Be more realistic than Stephen King in the Dark Tower. You know that, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what did you think of the state? What did you think of the film? <sighs> My mother always said, "If you can't say anything fly about somebody, don't say anything at all." <laughs> so I'm not going to mention flag. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's not. Uh, I've not seen the TV version of The Stand yet. Um, with is, that this, is this the Fire. second version? Because I remember there being yeah, one. the new version that Stars did, I think. Yeah, yes. there was one like yeah a while back, which I remember sort of watching. Yeah, the one with Rob Lowe. I mean, that's 1990s, I think. Yeah, 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 1990s. Yeah, yeah. It's reasonable for the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Idris Elba was good as um, Roland. I think he played him very well. I think the lad was good as well. 
Um, I like looking for little sort of like Easter egg type things for references to other films. Um, there, there was one point when he was drawing um, sort of like the Dark Tower and things, and he had a spider walking along one of the beams, which of course is reference to it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the one reference I never use in the films. Um, and I like that, but I just don't think it worked. I don't think the Dark Tower story worked. No. In the f- and McConaughey is just a flag. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, I think like the um, the stand might work better as a TV series rather than as a film because there's just too much plot. Yeah, it needs room. Yes, well, something like that to work. The stand's so dense. Yeah. yeah. We need we find that a lot with because a lot of Stephen King's sort of um, books were made into TV films and stuff, which ha- were multi-parters. So, yeah. um, my biggest disappointment was. For- I think my biggest disappointment was I read the Tommy Knockers, and then watched the um, TV film they did of it, yeah, and I've vomited. <laughs> oh, but the big one now, of course, is going about doing the Talisman soon, aren't they? Yeah, it was announced um, earlier this week. Yes, yes, so right. that's the last of the early ones which got made. Um, so I just hope it doesn't suck. Because um, that was one of my favourite books as a kid. I know, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be draw some ire here, and I apologise in advance, but The Mist was really good. Mm. Really, really good. Until the last five minutes. Mm. I've not seen all of it. It's one of those I sort of skipped in and out of because I was in the middle of the I've not got around to It's a really good film. Really well played. Really well done. But the last five minutes, you just go from thinking... Sympathy for the character thinking, what a schmuck. Yeah. And like, I know it's absolutely horrible what happens, but <coughs> he's just thinking, what a schmuck. <laughs> you really dumb idiot. I quite end it like the book because the, the story just ends up driving off, doesn't it? Yeah. In many ways, that would have been a better ending because it was very much open to interpretation. But here is, oh, I'm going to spoil it. Basically, um, the main character shoots his son and the other people in the car, and that, and literally a second later, the US Army come along, burning everything and save everyone, or rather save him. And is thinking, yeah. "Oh, dog." No, that's not good, is it? That's just not good. No. I mean, on one hand, yeah, like you know, the crushing horror, of what he's done. Yes, but I think it. He's still thinking. He's still relatively safe in a car. <laughs> So yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, but other than that, it's a really good film. I mean, and Stephen King films have been very hit and miss. You got some really good ones. Cat's Eye, Cat's Eye is quite good. I quite like Cat's Eye. For, yeah. you know, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the concept. Um, Drew Barrymore obviously was like a little squealy child. Yes, tried to do anything weird. She was basically reprising a character in ET. Um, but the whole concept of the three stories being, I, I really liked that at the time. There was another one, and I'm not sure if it's the same, because all these, like, I haven't seen them in ages. There was one uh, which had about, basically, uh, a guy who bumps into a gargoyle, and the gargoyle basically, uh, uh, you know, he says, you know, you've seen me, I'm going to have to kill you, and he says, I promise I won't say anything, I I won't do anything, and it it basically scratches him along his chest and says, "Uh, fine, and then... It's got this really fucked up end to it and stuff. Uh, and it's a three-story thing. There's one about a mummy. Uh, I think it's got Steve Buscemi in it. And it's like, it's a three-story thing. It's like, it's a basically a mummy 
that kills people because they've got this like scroll that comes in it. Um, there's another one where obviously the gar the gargoyle. Um, oh, what's it called? It's going to really it's going to really annoy me and stuff. The gargoyle one. Um, yeah, because it's, it's it's ages old, so I'm just going to ruin it for you it's anyway. But basically, it turns out that he marry he he's an artist and he he's told he, he promises he won't tell anybody about this gargoyle that he's seeing uh, this sort of monster and he falls in love with this girl he has kids and at the very end he's like i need to tell her about this situation that happened to me and stuff and he draws these pictures and stuff and he tells her and then she starts crying and and she, and then she's like, you told you you promised you wouldn't say anything. You promised you wouldn't tell anybody. And then she turns into the gargoyle, and then the kids turn into gargoyles, and then she kills him. <laughs> it's like fucking. It's like it's so messed up. It's such a messed up. But yeah, it's good. And um, then we've got films like Maximum Overdrive. Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I've never used an electronic um, bread cutter since. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Or just the, the Langoliers as well about the time travel, isn't it? Yeah. The, that's uh, an interesting one. The film, the book's better than the the, the well, the, the short story's better than the. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the short story of that. Yeah, the short story's better than the film. Is that the same um, book as um... Nightmares and Dreamscapes? Is it? Is it Nightmares and Dreamscapes? The one with the is the four uh, is four past midnight. Four past midnight. That's it. It is. Yes, it is. Four past midnight. Yep. Secret Garden, Rear Window, whatever it was, um, with the another one where he has the crazy writer and the alter ego, which they Johnny Depp. For. Dark half. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was oh. the one. that was the novel. Um, oh gosh. I, I... There was one about a dog as well. Uh... Could you? No, 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 Kujo, which is a Tibetan Mastiff, by the way. Kujo is a Tibetan Mastiff. <laughs> says my dog. They're feeling good about yourself tonight? Yeah, people <laughs> people keep on telling me. He's like, he looks just like Kujo. And I was like, Kujo, that rings a bell. And I went, holy shit, that's a uh, Stephen King film. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, but no, there's one about, um, it's basically, she takes photographs, because my sister was a massive Stephen King fan, and she'd read the books, so she'd tell us about it. Like, um... And it was like uh, the dog should take some a photographer take a photograph, and every photograph they took, the dog in the photograph would get closer and closer and closer to the to the uh, the, the the front of the the front of the picture. Um, and I can't Stop remember taking photographs. Yeah, I think that was in Nightmares and Dreamscapes. I think possibly. Uh, again, I haven't read it in a long time, so I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I remember for Nightmares and Dreamscapes, the ones with the creepy children in the classroom. And one with the finger coming out of a plug hole. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they resonate with me. I was, I was working in the jewelers at the time. <clears throat> and the, the way security works in the jewelers, you are not allowed in until there's a group of you to enter the premises. And I was inevitably the first person there because I'm always first for everything. I'll be early for my own funeral. <laughs> so I'd, I'd stand at the front just reading Nightmares and Dreamscapes while I was waiting to go in. Because uh, short story, you know, you get read by your way to somebody to turn up with an axe, chop your head off, or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I, I remember reading both of those and creeping myself out, thinking that, you know, what's going to happen when I'm stood here, you know, in front of a jeweler's shop on my own, <laughs> waiting to go in, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember going to see. Um, it's kind of slightly on the same vein, but off topic slightly. But I remember going to see the Blair Witch Project when it came out. Um, back home 
and I live in a in a village um, that has all kinds of sort of like you know urban well urban myths because you know ghost stories and things like that and um there's a place uh where they used to hang convicts uh just um it, it's now like an old it's like a farm but it's like it's it's like super creepy and stuff and my car after watching the blair witch project broke down at that very spot <laughs> at the time and i fuck i literally was just like oh my god man i'm not getting out of this car and i was just like i needed to change a tire and stuff and i was just like freaking out the entire time could not deal with it (laughs) so so, i mean how has lockdown treated you austin lockdown um it's been a thing of so like two halves apart from the fact that i had covid 12 months ago wow yeah, um, that was a weird one. Very, very scary. Um, because didn't know it was COVID when to start with. And then people started going on about this illness, which was killing people. And you're thinking, hang on a minute. So looking at the symptoms, well, I haven't got the symptoms to say. You know, I, I, I'm not sort of like feeling like I'm dying. I feel like I have very, very, very bad flu. Um, but everything tastes weird. And then, so like two weeks later, if you can't taste anything, you've probably got COVID. Oh, right, okay, so I've had COVID then. <clears throat> and that's not <laughs> I have just started to recover. As you can tell, I've got a bit of a throat yeah. Um And I've had continual throat infections. I've had lethargy. It's really, it's like, it's like down ME since then. Um, it's only in the last sort of like week or so I've been able to start exercising properly. I've started running again. So it's probably a good job I've not had any cons to go to because I just I would have been knackered. Um, but yeah, so the lack of convention has been weird because I like going out and meeting my readers and sending the books there, but it's meant because I've been shut in at home with the occasional war, I've got a lot of writing done. Um, um, and that, that's been great. I mean, I think I've got, where are we now in the last year, including Bobby on, which is like Kickstarter out tomorrow. Nine <laughs> on the website really really good remember grandmother will like it you know those socks you got her last year they got holes in them now they're still no good get her a book um so i think i've got four books written in the last 12 months wow <clears throat> planned out that's prolific uh, writing right there because i've got the next sam book is due out later on this year the first edit's done on that i've got an anthology due out for christmas that's finished the second Bobby Normal book is also... Oh, yeah, so it's about seven books in 12 months. Um, so, yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> well, that's insane. No, really? I'm, I'm, I'm I wish... I, I want you to go to George R. R. Martin's house and kick him up the arse and tell him, <laughs> look, I can write seven books in, in 12 months. You can't write a bloody book in in seven years. <laughs> so hey, I've still got a bit to catch on them, Simonon. The May Grey books, you do one a week. You sit down for a weekend. And um, and they're great. I love, I love the make great books. Um, I just love like the feel. They they feel like they're written on by the seat of his pants. They don't always work, um, but they're certainly very very fresh. I have no idea that you can bring that into the stories. That's why I did the short stories. Because I'll just sit down and write the story. Um, they're normally all written in one sitting, literally within like an hour or so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, lockdown's been um, health-wise not so good, socialising not so good. But then I'm antisocial anyway, normally. <laughs> but writing's very, very productive. Um, they say that 
like uh, well, I was talking to my boss and sort of some of the partners in my the law firm I work for and stuff, and they they were like saying they don't, they don't think you know COVID's ever going to go away unless they literally yeah. do a smallpox thing and sort of eradicate it from you know and, and vaccinate everybody in the entire world. But it's going to be like like you're going to have your flu job in the yeah. in the summer, and yeah. it's it's going to be a COVID job as well and stuff. Yes, oh, this year we're this year we're vaccinating against COVID twenty three A. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With all the different variations and stuff yeah. that can come of it, and then you've got that's the other... what they do with flu. They guess, don't they? They guess to make what's likely to be the one that you're going to get, and they yeah. give you a vaccine based on that and hope. <laughs> but also on top of that, um, because it's like an evolution of the virus, you again, even though you may not have a vaccine dedicated to that version, it will still offer you some protection yeah. because it's better than nothing and i mean well, yeah. you may get like 50 percent of the symptoms rather than 100 percent. but the, hey it's 50 percent of the symptoms for a little prick on your arm mm-hmm. yeah but also it might be that you you know you get get away without it because exactly. you were lucky enough to walk out of that room 10 minutes earlier whereas if you'd been uncaxlated you could have walked in walked out and got a bit of a nasty cough <laughs> and then just said oh <laughs> yes it's, it's complicated See, yeah, I, I, shot of bleach, I suppose. I'm not sure if I had it or not. I basically before this, before like this time last year when it all basically started kicking off, I was super ill, like 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 yeah. bedridden, ill for a long time and stuff. And I was just like, maybe I've had it, and I I just don't, you know, I've just gotten over it or something. Uh, but I don't want to risk that. I don't know. So yeah. it's just like you know. Oh yeah, I, I'm yeah. I mean, about a year ago or. Probably a bit, a bit, uh, bit longer than that. I got really ill, uh, and so did my wife. Uh, but not not for a long time, just for about you know, forty eight hours. We've got no idea what it was, and it could be, but mm. just don't know. And I mean, we've, none of us lost our sense of taste. But, but different people get different bits of the grab bag. Exactly, they? and and there's also like three three percent are actually asymptomatic as well. Yeah. You see. I'm the I'm the opposite of you, Austin. I was ill, ended up calling one 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 because it wouldn't go away. Got dragged in and got stuck in an isolation room for three days, for what turned out to be um, a gastro a gastric bug. Yeah. But because I'm asthmatic, it set off my it, my asthma had gone funny as well, and so they didn't know. So they stuck me in a room, and everyone that came in was wearing gloves and asthma. Yeah. Everything you know, not quite as for hazmat, mm-hmm. but on the upside, you know, I got you know, I got on all expenses spe- paid sort of um, visit with my Kindle and, and wireless internet access for three days, <laughs> and no one bugged me. I could turn off, I could ignore my work emails. No one bugged me on social media unless I bugged them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my boss I think uh, I, I I would get sort of like I know you're uh, I know oh, you're yeah. in hospital and everything but is there any chance you can have a look at this <laughs> like, oh, I, I think my boss tried that one once and I told him that I was going to have if he could wait until after they, they'd taken me down for an MRI oh, or, or something no, I was a CAT scan that was it because they were checking my chest and he got very guilty at that point because he was on a because he, he was like okay maybe maybe this is not the right time then yeah that'd be good thank you <laughs> <laughs> I um I like my 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 boss is like my my boss is really good actually you know he gives me a lot of freedom and stuff so I don't mind sort of doing the odd bit and pieces for the weekends if he asked me to but I remember one of my old jobs um when my dad died um I took a week 
or like it took a i took two weeks off i think uh one sort of week of just sort of kind of sorting out stuff and then another week of just sort of kind of get my shit together and i remember my boss sending me an email saying you know just bear in mind that we've got bills that we've got fees the 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 pay and this that and the other so you know when you take this time off and stuff and i was like fuck you dude my dad just died i just like and i couldn't believe that i think in his head he was just sort of thinking you know obviously you know you got to bear this in mind but i'm just like yeah and i left that job soon after very poor timing (laughs) very poor consideration yeah it's just like no that's not gonna happen um yeah so is there on a a, a, back to the back to the books and stuff uh is there is there a a an angle you'd like to go for that you haven't done so once you know obviously you're you're quite prolific so you know whenever um sam's journey's ended and the sort of kind of that whole timeline is gone is there any sort of is there something you would want to do something completely different from that Uh, not so much when it's ended um there's two sort of aspects i want to uh sort of like um investigate or play with um, inside the, the, the universe I'm working on. Um, one is I have quite a background in ancient history, ancient mythology. Brilliant. And they, it comes across obviously in the stories. Um, but I want to write some novellas which are set in the past for some of the characters who have been around a long time. I've already done one. Um, one's called Songbird, which is set in Victorian England and Victorian America. But I'm very well with the fans. And they really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's around a vampire called Nightingale, who's a real sort of reader favourite, and you have a bit about her back history. <clears throat> but I want there's one I've got brewing set in the Indus Valley, um, which is referred to in Troubled Soul, which came out last year. Um, I've got one which is set at the Fall of Troy, but oh, uh, okay. in short story which came out last year. Uh, I've got one which is going to be set right at the beginning of the history, um, right at the dawn of civilization. Um, and I've got another one which is being set in sort of like the end of the Neolithic, beginning of the Bronze Age, um, which again has vaguely been referred to um, by one of the characters, Tigress, who's effectively the oldest living character on the, on the planet, even though she still behaves like a millennial. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I want to play around with like the history type of things, but they'll definitely be written while I'm writing everything else because I fill in the gaps. So I would love to do, um, but it really is a case of finding the time and finding the work and doing it, is doing decide your destiny type books with the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a real scope with some of the characters um, for sighted readers to go off and be parts of the story, um, especially my vampire characters, the children of Cain, um, because we know that they've been around a long time. I could pop them in a period in history and you're off doing that or you could even do one with sam or even better which i know the readers would love um being in a, a an adventure with his best mate um reverend james francis mcintyre spliff to his friends who is his very bohemian um, college chaplain um you, it would be a right rule piss up uh, you know there, there, there'll be no plot it's just like you died from alcohol poisoning start again you died because you smothered yourself in mayo start again you know it's things like that and yeah I, I i love the fighting fantasy books i grew up on them and so like the decide your destiny ones as well so the idea of doing something like that with my character would be great fun um yeah. it's time it's finding the time to do that because yeah. they are a lot of work have you ever been tempted to do something really left field like writing under a pen name and doing like a 
like an urban romance or something like that, just for the <laughs> shits and giggles. Uh, right, A.N. Rocklaw and Anne Rampling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't woken up by a kiss. Uh, and she wasn't sleeping. <laughs> <up. laughs> uh, That's a kiss. <laughs> I don't um, Possibly. Um, I toyed with the idea years ago of doing other stuff as well. But perhaps when I've finished all this, I might think of doing something else. I don't know. I, I've got so much going on with this at the moment. It, it's easy going to be another 10 years I finish it. I'm 50 now, um, so you know, get finished in the 60s, mid 60s on this. Then, be a case of I don't know, I might just decide to grow grow cucumbers for the next <laughs> years. Um, but no, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see. I've never seen that. Sam say says that. on YouTube, get you a lead female character. <laughs> um, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Well, I'd say say don't think I'd be able to do. It. I mean, when they did the Songbird. Um, Nightingale was lead female and she she went down well with like female readers they thought she was realistic and there, there's always this hazard for blokes writing women mm. that they'll write a bloke with fake boobs <laughs> uh, Eddings chicks with dicks really, really well and people for years going wow David Eddings is writing these really really good female characters how's he doing it? how did he do it? his wife wrote them Yes. Uh, it didn't turn out until shortly before they died that you know it was a joint thing. It was David and David uh, and Lee Eddings. Yeah, and superb, um, great. Oh, the fact that you know they're no longer with us. Yeah, I always get sort of because um, when we do our Dungeons and Dragons on Thursday and stuff, when I try any female female characters and stuff, it's like, oh god, don't go there. Please, what are you don't doing? Go there. I still have flashbacks. Flashbacks. Uh, I'm, I've been writing a female character in one story, and just to compound matters even more, um, she's from a Bane background, British Asian ethnicity. And because I did not want to be a white guy talking about a black female, I actually um, said, Listen, got a friend, um, Rima, thank you very much for doing this. Um, basically, said, Listen, I've written these, this character. Could you read her? And just make sure that it doesn't sound a load of bollocks. And she read through that. Yeah, that's great. I really, yeah, I really like her. She sounds really cool. Thank you. And it's like, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I do NaNoWriMo among other things, and yeah. it's a it's a frequent thing that pops up in some of the groups of people saying, "Please, when writing female characters, they do not sit and stare at their boobs. They do not think about how lusciously silky their hair feels against their face. They definitely." Don't sit there and consciously think about licking at their licking their lips when they're looking at a bloke they think is hot. <laughs> things like that, and they have like lists of these things. You're like, they're going. At least I know the books. Whatever books they're quoting here, I don't ever want to read because I'd end up crying or throwing things. <laughs> so no, he- no heaving bosoms, no, no throbbing ge- genitalia and such. <laughs> I think there is a particular market that you can write that sort of prose for, which I'm told, which I'm told can be quite profitable. But <laughs> I mean, the um, Nightingale story—it actually starts off. She's talking about the fact she's a vampire, and she lists all sort of like the female vampire, um, sort of like oh god, yeah, all you know, sort of like you know, uh, tropes and some yeah. like that. And she finished it with laugh. Finished it off the last line. I'm not that sort of girl. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not to not to knock that sort of thing. I've got there's a group of us that, and our local Nanorama group, and two of the women that come along 
are actually um they write for mills and boons and some of the um like that and they're ferociously disciplined you know because everything is you know it's not like i write something for pleasure they happen to enjoy it but it is a job and they get very tight deadlines and when they've agreed certain things it has to happen that way and it has to be very close because someone else is doing all the other stuff around it and if you get a sudden burst of artistic inspiration Mm. yeah that's going to be a problem (laughs) because really struggle to write like that I'm very much in the Douglas Adams school of thought. You know, I, I love deadline, the noise this, of the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I, I, I set my deadlines and I try to stick to them, but I, I'm a realist. I know, you know, you could be writing away, oh, what's happened to the heating? Oh, I've got to get plumber now. All right, okay. So, uh, well, I've got it. Oh, no, I've got this tax return. Oh, no, I've got to do And stuff gets in the way. You know, it's, that's life. And, you know, artistically, it's like, I'm writing this, ooh, shiny idea. I can write that idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah, I, I, no, it's four more books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at least you get something out of it. See, I'm I'm the same without the outcome. So basically, I, I start something, and I'm very much a... a, a um, What's the oh, what's the saying? I'm a uh, jack of all enough. jack of all trades, uh, master yeah. of none sort of thing. So I'm good at a lot of stuff. I'm just not very good, you know, at one thing. And I get this sort of like thing where I'll start something and I go, I'm going to do this, and then I'll go, ooh, shiny thing, and go off and do something else. Or I'll be doing sort something for the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and then suddenly I'm like, yeah, but I need to create something else, and then I'll, I'll move on to something else, and I thought, ooh, that miniature needs to be painted, or this needs to be done, and then it just sort of goes in this sort of vicious circle where the where none of it gets done by the end of it. It's just like this sort of mess of everything that's sort of kind of started and not finished. At least you you finish things. <laughs> I've recently sort of like changed my daily routine um, using sort of like my feeling a bit better now as a, as a, a means to do this. I, I've always written for like from nine o'clock till three o'clock, from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon, and then sort of like after that I'm teaching because I'm a private tutor as well. Um, but I've always found, although I feel like I should be writing those times, things get in the way. And I'm not getting me time. I'm not getting exercise time. So I've, I've made the decision to start getting up at five in the morning. And it's working really, really well. Um, I get up at five in the morning. I write through till 10. And then I'll some, have some time to like exercise. I'll go for a run, walk, whatever. And I'll just sit all afternoon, TV, computer games, or read. And then I'm fresh for my, so my evening job of teaching. And, and I've so much more productive but it means i have some time in the daytime to get the crappy life sort of like work things plumbers yeah. whatever i have time to do that because i've got all the writing done before the rest of the day kicks in yeah i know i can't get up that early having done like 18 months of trekking up to london and back again every day but i i don't think i'd be very good at it regularly because i tend to I'm an end of day person. Yeah. Where it was just like just one more thing. I just need to do this. Just do that. Oh shit! Look, it's midnight. I feel. I, I feel like I've. I've. I feel like my day has been uh, wasted if I go to bed before twelve o'clock and stuff. You know, twelve o'clock sort of early ish for me and stuff. And you know, 
I feel like I need to sort of stay up till, you know, at least half 11, 12 o'clock sort of, and, or else my, my day's completely wasted because I'm working till five and then I've got bits and pieces to do. And it's like, I kind of need that time so I can do my things. Um, so, yeah. And I used to hate it, obviously, when I would get up at six in the morning to get into work and I'd spend loads of time traveling. The only good thing about traveling was you could read books um, on the way into work and stuff, which was the only sort of kind of plus side to it. But um, yeah, I'm loving the whole working from home, being able to roll out of bed into my floor drobe at 8, 8.30 in the morning and then just turn the computer on. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I miss about the commuting as well. The downside going to going each way, but it was like two hours on two hours, two and a half hours of traveling. The upside was five hours, five hours of all thereabouts of solid reading time. Yeah, no, it's, that, that's the one I did because, like, my um, I because I was obviously going into work and getting the train and stuff every morning, my reading list was dropping really rapidly because I had a lot of train time to sort of kind of do that. No, getting outnumbered like me now. Yeah, I'm just, just, I just so, so much. Another one. And then my, <laughs> my boss, he's like, my boss is like, he, he's like a prolific reader and stuff, and he he's really, you know, he reads loads on audiobooks and stuff, and he's like, you need to read this or you need to get this on audiobook, and he's got me a massive list of things to sort of read and listen to and stuff, and I'm just like getting overwhelmed by it all. And I'm just like, and I'm I'm trying to sort of keep ahead of the sort of uh, the Horace Heresy stuff as well. So I'm just oh God, like, no, you know, don't do that. Yeah, that so, on its own is just horrendous. Yeah, and then just I like gave I've up on that a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I I stayed most like I've got I'm I'm currently on um the the Wrath of Magnus is it called Wrath of Magnus uh the most recent sort of uh no, the novella I think is because it's 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 sort of like half a book, um but um yeah. I just, I just don't have the time to do it and stuff. Maybe I need to get up early to, to do my audiobooks. Maybe I'm just going to have to do that just so I can listen to the audiobook. Because I've got a mate... while you're asleep. Well, I've got my mate, John Marston, who... And I, 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 I can't fathom this, but he basically uses his commute time to play games in the morning. So the time that he would do use to sort of travel into work in the morning, he gets up, sticks on his Xbox and plays games. And I'm just like, I don't know if I could do that get up and play games in the morning and stuff. I just, but that's what he does and he loves it, you know. So what games do you play, Austin? You mentioned you, you play... Oh, um, it <laughs> tends to be world builders. Oh, I do like <laughs> world builders. Uh, um, I mean, back in, so like, when I first got to use things like um, SimCity. Um, oh, Civ yes. Civ 2 and Civ 3, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Civ Revolutions was reasonable on the Xbox. I'm not so much into the more recent Civ. I feel it's a bit too much for me to just sit down and play. Um, Herbs, Sims Herbs, I really enjoy. Um, I, I can play that again. That's like the grungy one back in sort of like 2001. Oh, I yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, GameCube. Um, but I love Forge of Empires. Uh, yeah. That's my go-to if I need sort of like having my breakfast, bit of that. Yeah, there we do that. And then sort of like go through a few hours work, we'll find a bit of that, and then a little bit of Elvenar as well, and that that keeps me going. Um, I, I tend to veer away from sort of like big screen games these days. I, I don't tend to, I don't know, I just don't gel with them as much. I prefer so I can just do and Pokemon Go, yeah. So uh, nothing, nothing too overly complicated. Just something you can sort of dip in and out of and stuff. Yeah. Or. Now, 
I generally go for the sort of ones that ruin your life and take over mm-hmm. sort of like I'm like RTSs and stuff and uh you know uh 4X games where you're like you know your your whole life oh my dog's going mental oi what what is it Jesus Christ <laughs> daddy. it's just like cuz oh, he, he's there's a there's a dog next door shut up my god god he's going off of one but uh there's a dog big, big, dog, like, big baby there's a there's a dog sort of next door and it's as soon as he hears it as soon as he hears it he starts going mental and you can hear him like shut up god jesus christ i'm gonna have to mute my mic you guys are gonna have to talk while i sort him out birthing woman oh. <laughs> oh, okay so anyways it's like though you, you your first con coming up is going to be your comic con. I think that's going to be very much a litmus test for like the rest of the con scene, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, well, I think I think a lot of people. I mean, we've been in lockdown now for just over a year. I mean, well, greater or lesser degrees of lockdown, but I think that like you know, there's yeah, people are starting to feel a bit. Oh, feel the yeah. drain a bit. Feel the drain a bit now. It's like, okay, yeah, we've sort of st- get sick of being stuck inside now. We've just been through winter. Uh, we're stuck inside even more because it's bloody cold. Oh. And but yeah, I think kind of like there's kind of there's on one hand people really want to get out there and see everyone again. And again. On the other hand, they don't want to catch COVID. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I mean. I've got friends in the cosplay side of things, and they've been trying to talk me into going doing cons and stuff a bit more for ages. I finally agreed I was going to start doing it this year, and then of course everything goes to hell. And we were doing them, they're like, "I'm not even a huggy person, but I miss seeing all these different people so much. It's just going to be horrendous because it's just going to be cronkud. What's cronkud? What's that?" <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is, there's literally because you always get sort of the lurgy after conventions and stuff. Like I always there's, get ill. There's always around it. Basically, eat well while you're there. Hydrate. Do not, Matt, uh, <laughs> do not drink the bar dry. <laughs> I do Matt. get generally get quite drunk at these things. So, yeah, that's probably you why. Know, you have a distinct reputation, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's basically look after yourself. I mean, after you've been to a con, do not go into work the very next day and go full on. Just basically take the day off. Just get to unwind, oh, relax, yeah. recover time because you have been on your feet bouncing around the various cons are absolutely hyper with little sleep your immune system will be low because you are low so basically take the time to recuperate to eat well eat fruit look after yourself yes i'm sound like a dad tough i am one it speaks <laughs> up on you does it yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i i generally go i i, I get up early I drink a lot and then I go to bed at stupid o'clock in the morning and then wonder why I'm ill. The sort of that's why you have comfort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This year, I think I'd been talked by a couple of friends into going to TF Nation that have been going for a while, and I guarantee that by the sounds of things and from having seen pictures and stuff, it would not have been a go to bed early kind of thing. <laughs> Sci-fi Weekender, which. Uh, that is, I mean, it's a festival. It's not a convention. It is a festival. It's not, I mean, they got like their various kind of um, panels, talks, interviews, discussions throughout the day. There's about a couple of hours in the, like around early evening where they kind of shut everything down and set everything up again for the party. <laughs> the first night there, at, um, the the bar was drained dry. Yeah, it was just Steve Miles, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah i do i do miss going to conventions and stuff i'm not sure if i go back to any like i really really want to go to um the uk games expo next and stuff just to sort of spend more money that i don't have but um i just don't see myself going to any sort of major conventions for a while um just like i I don't think there's going to be any travel as much as there they might sort of start allowing people to travel um soon yeah, uh, i mean well uk games expo for me is literally just down the road it's about an hour's drive down to birmingham so it's not too bad and i have had my first uh jab mm, but i would be i think the best way to is surprised if it does go ahead i mean they have scheduled it for later on in the year but it still feels given the size and scale of uk games expo and the density of the crowd there I am wondering if it will still go ahead because of that. Mm, I yeah. suspect that there would be some definite hints about pushing it just yeah. for just for the um, Cheltenham argument. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I've, and wait, they've got to do it. They have to kind of say they've got to take it at this date because of the... If they say they're going to cancel it and put it off until next year, they will lose essentially that slot with the NEC. And they can only cancel it if the government says they have to cancel yeah. it. Because uh, otherwise, if they say, oh, we're going to like go somewhere else or like put it off, they'll say, well, okay, but you lost your slot. And therefore, that will have a massive impact for the future of the event. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great. It's, it's like, it's the only convention that I go to that I really enjoy walking around the floor and looking at all the stuff like other conventions i can take or leave even like in san diego comic-con and stuff you go in you, you see all the pop figures you see sort of kind of the movie stuff and some of the games and that's good and it's it's, it's all good but because i'm a massive board game guy and <laughs> sort of when i go into game uk games expo i'm literally like a, a child in a candy store and i'm literally just walking around just eyes sort of popping out of my head at all the cool stuff and i'll be in there for hours happily oh. just sort of looking at stuff Matt, I'm going to take you to Sci-Fi Weekend at one time because you will... Bl- it, it's just it'll like, you know, you blow your mind because it's not somewhere you go to browse and, like, buy stuff. It is there to go and experience. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to go. It's just such a, an insane atmosphere. Well, there was... Uh, uh, what was it? It's... Uh, like, I don't mind some of the ones. What was it? Like, um, like Dragon Con's meant to be kind of like that where it's literally more about the parties and the sort of mm-hmm. kind of the socialising side because it's sort of like a three-day thing it's all in hotels it was like uh, Kitacon in Birmingham uh, which was similar it was sort of like two you know two or three days and it was just about sort of hanging out in the bar with people and like I didn't even go into the com- I didn't even go into the sort of the, the convention area at all I just sort of like hung out with everybody just for the sort of the experience so yeah mm. and, and Austin have you been to any like any other conventions other than other than like the comic cons um I think uh, I mean did Edgelet a few years back. Yeah, very very different. Obviously. Yeah, that, that's much more serious. Was the best way to put it. There's... Yeah, the the Lakes International Comic. Oh yeah, done that a few times. That that's nice. It's nice and chilled. Um, and because it is smaller, I get a chance to actually see stuff. I do the big things like MCM. I'm. St- Stood behind, so like mm, yeah. wedged. There's my book. There's my book. There's my stuff. There's my stuff. There's my stuff. There's my stuff. Yeah. And and it's like that for two days, and then the end of it, I'm just like, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> um. So yeah, it's what I want to do over for like the coming years is start getting to more literary events. 
and start concentrating more on the books. But it's knowing the people who are going to say, oh, yes, come along to this. Oh, yes, come along to this. Because they're more sort of like invite only. Yeah. Can I come? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I've, I've got feelings about possibly doing something in Lancaster as like an alternative literature type of thing. Um, starting something small, a couple of years. I'd, I had the idea to do something last year, but then, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We, we already have a literary festival here, but it's very highbrow. Yeah. Um, which isn't really my sort of field. Um, they, they don't rub mayo into everything. And um, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking of sort of like, I know writers who are similar genres to me. I think, well, perhaps we could do small things and see how that goes. Mm. And then see if we perhaps we can build up on that. Because I know certain sort of like cafes and restaurants who are really nice guys and they have space and they'd be up for it as well. Yeah. So small little couple day type things in a little area down on Moor Lane in um, Lancaster and perhaps work around that. So that'd be cool. Yeah. I wonder, have you ever, ten, ever been tempted to go to like uh, music festivals? Like, you know, like um, the Goff Weekend in Whitby? Mm. Um, I'd love the idea, but unfortunately, it's a pain to get to for me. <laughs> of course, yeah, other side, other side of the country, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you feel like, oh, it's just over there, but where are the roads? Oh, well, it's like getting the Norwich. It's like you know, yeah, it takes it you is. five hours from Manchester to get the Norwich. It's, it's like continent, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm contemplating things like that, but it, it's something I'm going to have to look because I do have to be very aware of sort of like my health for the many years. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it can knock me for six just doing a simple con, and then that's the next two weeks gone where I could actually be writing and I get frustrated. Mm. Um, so. I know, perish the thought that you wouldn't you wouldn't write twenty books in a day and sort of, that's mad. I can't believe how many books you write. That's just insane. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, well, <laughs> I kind of wish my brain was like that, where I was just like, yeah, I could just focus on things like that, but yeah. Ooh. I'm quite glad you haven't. Otherwise, you'd be paying like fifteen billion pounds a year for World Forge just to keep up. Oh uh, yeah. Well, did you know what I did World with Anvil. the World Anvil? I bought the unlimited. Um, I bought the unlimited. Uh, you know, for life thing on that now. So uh, right. literally, I got that. So it's like when it sort of runs out in sort of I don't know August or something. I've got it for life after that so the problem is i've got such a massive backlog of storylines and stuff to put in there every now and again i dip in and add things but i've got such a massive backlog of stuff to put in there at the minute and it's just sort of get, it's getting daunting because i'm just like there's so much to go in there now and i want to do it because it'll be really interesting to have a map full of all the stuff that's gone on but it's doing it this is going to be the big thing so i'm just going to have to one day one weekend just go right i'm just going to sit down and get this all in there Oh dear. You know, immerse yourself in it and see what comes out. Well, yeah, well, that's it. He might never come back. Yeah, we would never see him again. (laughs) Thing is, the thing with me is, if I get into something, I, you know, if I got my mind, I want to do this. I'll, I'll, I'll literally. That's what I'll do. I'll just focus on it and like, it's like super hyper focus. Um, you know, it's like I think this is why I think I've potentially got ADHD. But like, if I'm focused on something, I'm like literally just tapped into it like that's it nothing else can distract um but yeah i need to be in one of those moods to do that and stuff so 
we'll 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 see and unfortunately i've got a bazillion hall a bazillion hobbies and stuff you know i do everything you, you just you know i have i dabble in everything and uh and unfortunately that means i'm just sort of my mind just wanders all over the place so <laughs> just a bit yeah yeah. yeah so it's yeah it's first world problems and stuff you know yeah. it's just like you know i i i i really really um envy people who can complete a game and do everything in a game like all the achievements all the other stuff and can just play it over i, I get i get bored and want to move on after the storyline's done no if, if yeah. i get past the storyline i'm like well that's it i'm not i'm not going to go back and do story like other things and stuff I've, I, I've seen the story now and i move on and i get really i get sidetracked but i kind of wish i had that focus where i could go i want to do this i want to do this i want to do this on this one thing but oh. But you do go back when they release the DLC, don't you? Oh, uh, DLC. No, the thing with me is, it's like, they get me... <laughs> do you know what DLC? DLC is like a, the equivalent of limited edition for Matt, because it's like, you've got this game, but it's got DLC. And I'm like, I don't want to have a game that's incomplete. It's like board <laughs> games and stuff. If there's a board game that comes out and it's on Kickstarter and it says it's got expansions, I'm not going to buy the base game. I'm buying the base game and the expansions because I'm not... I'm not the completest inside me won't let me not have it so I'm just like I have to have all of it and then it's like I've got games that they go oh there's new DLC and I'm like I need that DLC even though I probably won't play it for fucking ages or at all and I'm just like that part of me is kind of going you need this Matt you need this take it take it I'm like oh no (laughs) recommend something there's this really good book by this author Oh, (laughs) tell us about it. (laughs) So you you might want to buy this. You know, you can get it through the website, aschambers.co.uk. And what's more, there's a Kickstarter for this starting tomorrow, (laughs) nine o'clock in the morning. Um, You know, not not too far away. What sort of what sort of uh, what sort of um, perks and stuff do you have on your Kickstarter? Um, On the Kickstarter, it's a very basic one. Um, There's not too much going on with this. It is basically um, the book. And then because it's part of the universe, then it's all like offers to get um, Bobby Noll. Um, one of them is both of those together. So you got the first, very first book in the whole universe. Or you can have Bobby Normal on its own, or you can have it with a short, uh, uh, Sam short story, Case of the Belligerent Bard, where he meets um, Shakespeare in a time bubble, who's really, really annoyed with all like, the <laughs> versions of um, Macbeth, apart from the one where the, the witches were dressed as schoolgirls. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it's a very basic one this time, um, because... Yeah, people. I don't think people have got too much going on finance-wise. So I didn't want to try and stretch them too much. Um, like I say, the, the ones I've done in the past, I've had people buy the chance to die quietly, die with words. Um, sort of like uh, what else? The, the we out with the whole. Uh, I've got the um, guided tours of Lancaster coming up this summer for to my Kickstarter ones for the last book as well. Awesome. Uh, That's really good. So yeah. you need to now add a Matt tier onto it before it goes live. <laughs> no, all the books, no, you're going to impoverish me. numbered and signed by the author. <laughs> I can't. And he'll just be like, 
drawn to Kickstarter in the morning. Kickstarter is just a double-edged sword for me because it's literally it's just like, oh my God, all this stuff. Like back in the day when you're buying a board game, you got one board game, you know, every couple of years or whatever. And it was just like, oh my God, it's also a board game. Now it's like they're every few months or there's something cool that's a limited edition. I'm like, I hate you, Kickstarter, but I love you so much, but I hate you, but I love you so much. And you're just... But it's so nice having that surprise like eight, 18 months later when they actually send it to you, right? Oh yeah, I've got... Oh, here, here Pete, you know that, that Kickstarter, the um, Airflix that we saw in UK Game oh, yeah. Expo, and we think, yeah, still not come through yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was five years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, four. It was was it five, four, four years ago, four years ago? It's about four, three or four years ago, I think. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah, Sorry, it's, that's the longest Kickstarter talent. I've had the wait, and I've got one that's literally potentially a scam. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got one which I've backed and they've all suddenly gone very quiet and um, I've had to ask my credit card company to see if I can sort of get my money back and they've kind of gone, mm, we'll think about it. So <laughs> oh. People pay, they get the books within so like three weeks. Well, see, this is the thing. When you've got sort of, um, you know, literary ones, you know, there isn't that massive lag time <laughs> where it comes to board games <laughs> and things like that. Years. You're looking years. Yeah. Production, testing, yeah. running through quotes, production tooling and samples, and all sorts of other fun games. The quickest, the quickest board game I've ever got from a Kickstarter was Bevan Clatworthy's uh, of Geek Pride fame and uh, his his board game, um, and it it was six months. I think it was all done. You know, he did it really yeah. quickly, and it you know, great game, great week game. So, but yeah, other than that, it's been you know. A, a year, two years, three years. Hero, Some of the he, horror stories, though. Infinity. Yeah. Um, like I've got one. The hero. I I bet I backed Hero Quest twenty fifth anniversary, which was five years ago, and I never got it. It got to the point where they've got they've taken the guy to court on it, and it never turned up. To the point where now Hasbro have released their own version of it. Um, nightmare, nightmare. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so. Look, Buy books, ladies and gentlemen, and Kickstarter, and they can they come. Uh, and there's a specific book you could buy at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, right here. Bobby, Bobby Normal, Bobby Normal. I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll have a, a um, link that we can put in the description. To the yeah, podcast. I've got all the links. Um, well, what we'll do is if, give us give us your, give us your give us your your, your salesman pitch again, um, Austin, uh, with all everything you want people to sort of do, and then we'll leave it at that point in time. So basically. Most of the details you can find about me are on my website, aschambers.co.uk. Tells you a bit about my books. Um, there's a link through to Kickstarter, which, like said a number of times, starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, over for Bobby Normal and the Eternal Talisman, which is the first in a five-part novellas, which is set in the far future of the Sam Spelucci universe. Um, looking like a post-apocalyptic um, post-divergence, as the event is called, where the human species has been reduced to a remnant by this character Kano who has risen like a black dragon and sent out his constructs with his like, golems who've gone around massacring humanity. Um, the vampires were supposed to save humanity have failed. And we look at this world through the eyes of two children, Bobby, who's about 13, and his kid sister, Katie, who's eight. And they are given the eternal talisman to take to the next village on their quest to see the virtuous man who is supposed to be able to destroy Kano. Whether he will or not, we don't know. That'll be in the next book later on in the year. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, Austin, it's been an absolute privilege. Um, I'm still uh, in awe on how many, how much you write. It's just mind-bogglingly blowing. It's just wow. <laughs> I bow before your uh, your superior literary skills. Um, um, and thanks a lot for for spending some time with us. It's really really been great. Really nice, really nice. Okay, so uh, thanks everybody for for listening um, and for the comments. So Red Hot Reactions and uh, Sam Underhill, thanks for the comments in uh, in the chat. Much appreciated. Uh, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. With me has P- been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone, and take care. Uh, Mark Canty. Thanks for coming along. Don't forget back Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Austin Chambers. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, everybody.